Hello and welcome to TOEFOP. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello. Hi, mate. Yeah. Uh, uh, what? Go on. No, you've got something to say. Go. No, no, it's all right. <laughs> I, I, I want to do a callback um, to a, a few pods ago when we're talking about um, murdering. Like how do you think we could commit a murder and how to do the perfect murder? I came across this article. Um, and the headline is mother-in-law. <laughs> just, just by the way, I, I honestly, while you were telling me that, was like, oh god, did we really talk about that? <laughs> do you not remember? <laughs> no, you talked about burying them in your backyard next to the pool. You remember a lot of stuff because you edit. Yeah. So you listen back to them. Yes. Whereas I don't listen back to them. But I also, the but people like uh, hit us up on Twitter and Facebook and discuss. You if know, someone the hits plots. me up on like uh, yeah, Twitter or Facebook, and the heading is tips for how to complete your murder i tend to just immediately get rid of those i don't i think, don't read through those i don't i don't think somehow i know that i feel like there's some sort of computer technology that when that person murders someone will register that i read the email and then i'm like complicit in the crime yeah you're red flagged yeah the podcast got red flagged yeah but no i don't think from my memory well no one hit me up saying this is how you do the perfect murder they were just sort of more thankful that we sounded so incompetent that there was no way on earth you and I could get away with murder. Is, is there people listening to this in prison? Is there anyone in prison listening to this? We have discussed this before. <laughs> we have if we have prison listeners. Well, we have discussed this, but we never, I've never heard. No one's emailed us or anything like that. If you're in prison, email us. Why? Well, because I would like to know if people, we could be like the Johnny Cash of like, this is like, you know, we could go and do this in prisons. We could do the show. Would Live you, shows. Do you want to do that? Live prison tour, like Johnny Cash, yeah. of our podcast. I mean, we talk a lot about prison sex. Can you imagine if we could actually interview people? <laughs> about prison about sex. About prison sex. Would you? Definitely. No. Oh, can you imagine if I How had could a you, TV... Where do you start that conversation? So, uh, when were you raped? Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good, when you put it like that. Yeah. Oh, the, we put a slightly whimsical, okay. whimsical spin on it. Oh, I don't well, think it. How about if I only interviewed, you know, the prison rapists? Because uh, they're a bit more into it. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be celebrating them. No. What about the prison rapists who've only raped uh, child molesters? Because they're like essentially like Robin Hood of prison sex. Are they though, really? Yeah. I they're... guess so, because that's a thing, isn't it? If you're a child molester or or a rapist, yeah. you, you get like targeted. Raped yourself. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. Or is it just child molesters? They're called like rock spiders. Rock spiders, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and if you go to prison, you get treated the worst of all because yeah. there's still like... There's a, a you know, because there's certain prisoners who feel a bit high and mighty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're a snooty prisoners. I just stabbed me missus when I was on ice, mate. <laughs> I didn't fuck a kid. <laughs> I am your king and worship <laughs> me as such. We are from different classes. It would be ironic if uh, a rapist was raped in prison to teach him a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the classic eye for an eye. Like I did. Well, yeah, it's more an anus for an anus. Well, a brown eye for a brown eye. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I did toy with that idea for a while when, I, like, at home, sometimes I just sit there and kind of think of, "Do you ever do this?" Actually, maybe this is just me. But I often, when I'm watching the news or something, if I'm home by myself, I will try to fix the problems of the world. Right. Like I'll just try to come up with a better plan for how things are. And if, like, for example, whatever happened, and I was now in charge, yeah, how would I handle? This situation that was going on. Sure. Have you got a recent example? Um, okay. Like, okay. It's. It, I guess it's a couple of months ago now. But um, uh, when uh, Osama was killed. Yeah. Like, I, I sit there and I go, if I was in that, like, you know, war room, you know, that famous photo you saw of them all watching. Yeah. Like, you know, 
and there was one guy looking at his computer, I would be worried <laughs> that they take the photo and I'm the guy who's like, oh, checking his iPhone. I've got new Facebook friends. <laughs> oh, shit. I'll just tweet something hilarious about Top this. secret business happening right now, LOL. Yeah. <laughs> Preparing Osama weekend at Vernie's joke, LOL. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly. But I, so I start to think, I go, well, what would I do? Would I have been able to, you know, order him to be killed in that situation? Yeah. So where was your stance on that? Do you, you would have given, you would have had to. I mean, if you were Barack Obama, yeah, you have to give the kill order. Like, there's no way. I mean, that's like, didn't I think his wasn't his like platform about like can, can they're gonna get him and hunt him ramp down? Ramp it up. Or did they, they say bring it, it just, bring it to just bring him to justice? What yeah. Was well, you can't say we're just gonna fucking send out Dog the Bounty Hunter and kick this guy's ass. Yeah, like yeah. you know. No, but did they say we're gonna kill him or we're gonna bring him to justice? I think bring him probably bring. You him can't to go. Justice. You can't even say we're gonna go out and nail this guy. We're gonna shoot him right between the eyes. No. Well, that's that. They can't. That's what it's been like with the photos. They can't say, look, we really fucked this dude up. He doesn't really have a face anymore. Yeah. We don't think that releasing that photo is going to help in any way. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, calm people down. Um, so we, we beat his, we basically beat his head like a pinata because <laughs> we thought he was hiding all the jewels. We're going to bring him to justice biker style. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, there was that whole thing at the start about how it was like, you know, he was armed or whatever. And then like, there was that rumor that like, you know, he was only armed by throwing random wives in front of yeah, him. That's right. And then it turned out he probably wasn't armed. And he had like that cute story about how he had a uh, 500 euro and two phone numbers sewn into his jacket. I didn't hear that. No, I did. Yeah, no. it was like his mum before he'd gone to school <laughs> said, "Look, if you get in trouble, I've got some bus change and you know the numbers of mum and dad." Yeah, the one eight hundred reverse number. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mum, it's your summer. Can you come pick me up from the bus stop? <laughs> it's all tied in a hanky. It's got a little bit of lavender in it. It's really nice. Yeah, for, for the world's greatest terrorists. Um, yeah, so I put myself in that situation. Yeah, and so what? And so what was the? How were you making the world better? Were you saying? Would I have killed him or? Yeah, I would have found him earlier. Yeah, anyone can say that though. He's a hard guy to find. Well, that's what I'm saying. I know he's a hard guy to find. But But how would you have found him earlier? Like, What do you think they were doing wrong? (laughs) If you want to (laughs) re-educate the US military about how they, where they went wrong and the CIA, what did they do wrong? Um, Well, as my mum would always say, he's always in the last place you look. So I would have uh, got some strategists in to calculate... Retrace your steps. To calculate uh, where the last place I was going to look would be mm-hmm. using some sort of mathematical program. Like get the guy from numbers. Yeah, you get the guy from numbers and yeah. he does based on like, you know, he, he, he exam- puts through a computer my looking pattern yeah. and the pattern through which we're looking. Mm-hmm. He calculates through the use of, ma- use of mathematics the last place that I will look yeah. and then we just go there and get him. It sounds like 24 and numbers did a crossover <laughs> episode. Yeah, totally. That would have been great if those two shows had crossed over. I never watched Numbers, but I just couldn't check the fact that the dude from Northern Exposure was now carrying a gun. Like that, <laughs> that that just didn't work for me. What's the actor's name? Uh, Rob Morrow. Rob Morrow. He was well, also he in wasn't Quiz a big, Show. Yeah, how come he wasn't a bigger star? I don't know, because I thought he was great, Rob he, Morrow. He's kind of like the Paul Rudd of like you know TV. He never quite you know got famous. He's, he's one of those guys that doesn't seem to work that much either. Like, What's he done in between Numbers and Quiz Show and Northern Exposure? Well, I mean, you know, he was in Northern Exposure for like what, however long that was on, seven years or something. So probably that's a pretty... Need, probably doesn't need to work. It's probably a big, pretty big show. Yeah. And then he did Quiz Show, which he got a lot of good reviews for and stuff like that. And then he's and, like, I'm going to play golf for eight years. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> Until... I can just fucking phone in numbers for the next 20 years. Yeah. You know, it's not... I mean, he does... There, there is sometimes when you look at those actors and just go, well, 
They've just clearly found other things to occupy. Well, I reckon creative time. The guy Ed, the, was his name Ed from uh, you know the, who played the he was the Eskimo kid, the guy with the leather jacket. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I reckon yeah. he would have just gone. You know what? I got seven years on a huge show. Yeah, you know, I, I, I could have been the next Keanu. But yeah. Do you think he looked at Keanu and was like, yeah. "That seems like hard work." <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna go and smoke bongs in a forest. <laughs> I'm gonna go and live in Portland. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, have you seen that show Portlandia? Did you? I sent you a link for it. It's that new series. Well, it's probably you know halfway through now, but um, it's uh, Fred Armisen from Saturday Night Live has done this series about Portland. It's kind of like a little Britain where he and this other chick play all the characters, and they had this great theme song. So I played in the first episode, which is uh, Port- the dream of the '90s is alive in Portland. <laughs> it's like if you never got over grunge, if you just moved to Portland. Where, you know, it's like liberal ideas and you can be like a fire breather professionally. Do you ever think about that, though? I, 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 there's something about that that does appeal to me. Well, it's because that I, was I, our era. Yeah. Because as we get older, we're going to be like the baby boomers who are obsessed with the 60s and 70s. We're, we're going to be talking about the 90s to our kids when dreams were alive and anything could happen. Yeah. Where three guys in a garage could be on the biggest band in the world. Yeah. <laughs> we will do that too, though, won't we? I, I, I still wear flannel shirts now. Flannel shirts and ripped jeans and boots. <laughs> like, I think I'll be the old guy who, you know, you see wearing like... Uh, uh, like a suede jacket with tassels and like a tie-dye T-shirt. I did have one of those moments where, like, which is like one of those signs that you really are getting older, which uh, was I complained to somebody the other day about um, uh, when Triple J used to play good music. Oh, yeah. And that is like a classic... I remember my older sister, who's yeah. like seven years older, saying, complaining about Triple J when I was listening to it. it I, I, I don't know. I think on the first day, if you listened to the first broadcast of Triple J, when it was Double J, yeah. the first shift would have been somebody complaining about how Triple J used <laughs> to be good seven years before it was invented. And, and basically, that's, it's a very generational thing. Yeah. And I was really doing that thing of going, I'm sure this is all good music, but it's like it's all, you know, there's all this dance music and all this... Like, and, and I'm just like, oh... Yeah, I don't know. I liked it better when it was just guitars. <laughs> How does it work on Triple J as an ex-employee? Like um, when Eminem started, you'd yep. hear some Eminem on Triple J. Yeah, and then he broke massively around the world. And it's like, no, nah, we can't play him anymore. He's too mainstream. Is that is that like the directive? Uh, there, there certainly used to be a lot of attitude of, of once you could hear someone everywhere that perhaps you shouldn't be hearing them on Triple J. All Even the time. if their music's great. Yeah, I mean, there were some exceptions. I mean, there'd be things... But what they tried to do instead, say, like a big Triple J band like Powderfinger, who would win the Hottest 100 every year, but then became like a big mainstream act, they would essentially... Uh, they wouldn't wait for the singles like commercial radio would. Yeah. What Triple J would do would get the new Powderfinger album and you'd have like six or eight songs right. like off the album in the first week because the audience loved Powderfinger. So yeah. we can play like album track number six and they'll be digging. That yeah. So that was kind of the idea. Yeah. But, you know, there's some over the years, like, I mean, I look back and, uh, you know, they used to play Alanis Morissette. Yeah, you know, Totally. There's always one you kind of go, yeah, no, this is really cool. This is really, I mean, well, <laughs> well you named your show Jagged Little Will. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was meant to be ironic, I think. Ah, yeah, nice one. Yeah, <laughs> like rain on a wedding day. Yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't know. Uh, yeah, it was either it either was ironic or much like her song was things that were meant to be ironic, but I'm not, but I'm not sure. <laughs> much like her in that song, I was not sure, which I thought was the perfect tribute. Yeah. Yeah. Completely confusing tribute. Yeah. All right, so. Uh, this mother-in-law discussed a perfect murder before uh, shooting someone. So do you want me to read the... I'll read the article to you. Yeah. And this, apparently, this, is, this is interesting because in our discussion, we didn't know where to start, like where you'd even buy a gun, you know, how do you even set this stuff up? 
So uh, a former friend recounted during the witness stand on Friday how Joanna Hayes, on trial for the fatal shooting of her daughter-in-law, once described that she, the way she would go about committing the perfect murder. Yeah, right. So I think rule one of committing the perfect murder is not to tell someone right. that you know how to commit we've the perfect all, we've murder. We've already told people. The fact that she's on the witness stand. Yeah, right. So um, the girl heard the conversation, said it took place um, while she and Hayes were delivering flowers on Valentine's Day 2008. Perfect day to discuss a murder. Yeah. <laughs> Valentine's Day. It's romantic. <laughs> And not only that, but the two were working at uh, Hayes' daughter-in-law's floral design company. So the woman who owned the company was the one who ended up getting murdered. So she killed her boss. Uh, uh, Penzino said, it was a little strange, yes, but we were just talking. I didn't think anything about it. <laughs> just like you and I were just talking yeah. about it. So when the police go to your house and discover 14 bodies stacked head to toe next to your pool, as you describe, <laughs> uh, I'll say the same thing. Yeah. Um, the next time Pinzino thought uh, of more of it was more than a year later after Hayes' daughter-in-law, Heather Strew, was gunned down on April 26, 2009. Well, that's what it remind you. Yeah. Her being murdered. <laughs> the exact... Would remind you of that time where she talked about how she'd murder her. I could see how those two things... Because like, if you told me you were going to murder someone and then you didn't murder anyone, that You'd wouldn't cross my mind it. that often. Yeah. But if you then went away and murdered that person in the very way you described to me that you would murder them... That might trigger in me a recollection of the conversation we'd had earlier. So when you have, have, uh, like inevitably get questioned by the cops mm. and they say, did you notice anything strange about Charlie? Did he discuss anything with you? I would have to say, well, there was that one time <laughs> where he perfectly detailed every single uh, moment of a murder and it's exactly as this particular murder happened. Um, <laughs> but apart from that... <laughs> apart from that, he was pretty cool, to be <laughs> honest. He was pretty helpful. There was this one time he wouldn't help me clean up. Uh, when we were away on holidays, <laughs> uh, when everyone else was cleaning up, I thought that showed a weakness the of character. First, yeah. I must admit that it, it doesn't surprise me that he stabbed someone to death um, since that. <laughs> uh, I knew from the fact that uh, the, he I, hadn't cleaned up after himself yeah. in the crime scene that it was definitely Charlie. <laughs> he was just sitting on a couch in the corner refusing to clean up the evidence <laughs> while his accomplice was like, dude... We've just killed someone. I'm only trying to help you. We have to clean up this crime scene. And you're just sitting there like, no, not doing it. Not as, interested. As I said, it was performance art. It was a social <laughs> experiment. And I think I won. <laughs> yeah. uh, so someone wearing a fake wig and moustache shot the young mother in front of an 18-month-old son in a Target parking lot at Snellville. Oh. Is it any worse to shoot her in front of an 18-month-old son? Oh, that kid's not remembering that, is he? 18 months, yeah. Surely. Is his first memory is going to be his mum being shot? Well, you know, I'd say, look, maybe there'd be some kind of subconscious association, surely. You couldn't just ignore that, like, even as a young child. I mean, when does the brain start forming memories? Six I don't months? know, but I can't remember anything like... Yeah, pre- but you never saw anyone shot in front of you. Well, how do I know? I can't remember anything. Well, I may have seen con- I'm, my, the first fucking two years of my life might be a constant procession of people shooting people in front of me. Where did this it ha- might have been the only way they could have get me to sleep was to murder another human being well, the only in way front of me, but I don't remember because un- I was a child. The only way we'll know for sure is if in 25 years a giant bat is taking care of criminals in <laughs> Snellville, I'd say. <laughs> That's the only way we'll know if it had any impact. Yeah. Okay, so Strube had met her husband, Stephen Strube. Oh, that's weird that the, the journal said that. And Strube met her husband, Stephen Strube. Just say Stephen. Obviously, her surname's Strube. Do you need to say her husband is also called Strube? Oh, yeah, no, no. Because she might have kept right. her own name. Okay, so Strube met a strange husband, Stephen Strube. They had to exchange custody of their son. Strube is not charged with the slaying. Witnesses saw him drive away just before the, walker, the shooter walked up. According to Pinzino, Hayes said she would act alone. 
However, she would give her credit card to an unwitting accomplice like her husband or a son and ask them to buy something to establish her alibi. Brilliant. That's yeah. really clever. That is clever. But I was thinking about that. Would you then have to get that person to time the purchase almost around the time of the murder? At least within half an hour to make it sort of legitimate, to, to believable, yeah? Depending on how far away from the murder it was. Yeah, right. Because so it's all wanna... about your capacity to get to the crime scene in time to complete the murder and back to... <laughs> yeah, you having... see a guy yeah. bolting into JV Hi-Fi, covered in sweat, blood all over him. <laughs> ah, just uh, whatever you got, a uh, box set of um, uh, uh, two guys are going on a pizza place. And that's how the police knew that it was an alibi because yeah. no one's buying that. <laughs> There's a little red light that goes off in some office somewhere when somebody purchases the box set of two, two girls are covered in pizza, pizza place. place. In fact, the police have asked JV to stack that near the front of the counter. So if any people running in to form an alibi do bust in, it's the first thing they see and it's easy to sort of pick yeah. it out. Well, that's, that's also one of the things I would put in place if I was in charge of the world. <laughs> Shitty sitcoms. I'm putting that on my list. <laughs> okay, so Benzino yeah. said Hayes told it. I don't know, we said that. Oh no, Benzino said Hayes would told her she would use a handgun bought from a day labourer. Hayes worked in construction and knew it was common to find firearms on work sites. Yep. Yeah. Is that true? Yep. Why? Because they're hard men on the work sites, day labourers. You know, a lot of them maybe even illegals. You know, there's people who are working You'd for say, cash. Oh, right. You're not surprised by that. I'm not. That you find a lot of handguns on... Yeah. Like people just taking guns to go build a it's house? America, man, yeah. I don't know it's America. Where is it? Oh, I guess it's America. Yeah, no, the next line is um, Ford 50 pick, 150 pickup truck yeah. and a Dodge. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's America. America. Everyone's got guns. Yeah, it's a good point. The 18 months old's probably got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> the kid probably Fuck. fired first. <laughs> um, she'd already purchased three guns that way, Pinzino yeah. said. So she knew she could yeah. go. Like, Fuck, man. It's that, 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 was, that was actually the problem. Uh, her, her credit card, when she got her husband to do it, he bought a gun. <laughs> <laughs> what would you ask someone to buy? And well, it have to be something girly, right? Well, when although just anything, groceries. You could say, you, yeah, say you to go shopping. Something gender neutral, actually, because if you went into a shop and bought something girly when he's like a guy, that is actually going to arouse suspicion. Because suspicion. Yeah. you want to blend in, right? Yeah. So, and groceries. you can't buy anything too male. So she goes and buys a stack of porn or yeah. I don't know what a guy's buy. Porn, beer. <laughs> porn and beer, what are you buying? It's in weekly purchases, isn't it? I, uh, I don't know. What uh, I actually mostly buy box sets of bad sitcoms <laughs> at JB Hi-Fi. <laughs> so I'll be on that list. Uh, Hayes also reported that she would use power tools to grind down or melt the weapon before tossing it in a lake. So she really has thought it out. Would yeah. you even think to do that? Take the serial number off, I guess? I guess. The guns have serial numbers? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Guns definitely have serial numbers. Yeah, right. Yeah, so you have to get rid of the serial number. And um, but that's kind of good because it means that like people know what to get her for like Christmas and Mother's Day. You get power tools. You get her a Bunnings gift, gift voucher that she can use over like a couple of years. You know. Get Have you ever been given tools? People uh, know you well enough not to give you tools. <laughs> if they gave me tools, then they would have to spend half an hour explaining <laughs> that they were tools. This is a hammer. This is what they're for. Actually, you know what? I can use tools a little bit because when I was growing up, my granddad um, had uh, a shed. And that I used to hang out with him quite a lot, and I helped him build his house. Um, uh, and when you I was really, like, yeah, totally. Wow. I mean, yeah, I was, I just, a, I was I a teenager. I see visions of like the Amish, though, like you're putting the barn together, like in witness. You know, you're all oh, sitting it's around. just a fine barn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like my granddad had this whole dream where he would. Um, so they were moving out of the town Hayfield onto the farm where my parents are yeah. to be closer to them. But they had this block of land, and um, he designed the house himself. 
and uh, then he he built most of it himself. Was he an architect? Uh, well, he had, that, he had that background. Yeah, yeah right. And but he, I mean, obviously worked with. Can you some imagine as well. being that fucking like resourceful and manly that you can design and build a house? Like, yeah, it's what people used to do. I know. <laughs> like my family, if shit went down, would be fine. Right. Because they live off, off the, the land, land, and they know how to build shit. Yeah. Can they, do they, have they got survival skills? Like, could build a fire. What, and what stuff? other survival skills do you need? Well, fire. Can they build a fire? Well, they can build fire. But without matches or a lighter. Well, how long? Are they, like, I mean, they still I, have matches and lighters and stuff for a fucking good few weeks. All right, no. So, like, the bomb goes off. Everyone rushes to Hayfield. It's like, um, what was that other shitty show? Jericho. Oh yeah, yeah Jericho. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know, everyone's in Hayfield. Yeah. You've got what? How many? What's the population of Hayfield? Two thousand. Two thousand, mate. There's not going to be enough matches and lighters to fucking, you know, outlive the apocalypse. <laughs> it's all gone. Hayfield's the last, the remaining bastion of, of civilization. Yeah, but I, I'd say that Dad, just on the farm alone, would have enough like matches and like yeah, you know, fuel and stuff like that to do it for long enough that he would be able to learn how to light fire without matches or fuel. Where would you start? Like the period of time, you know, in that period of time, Dad could learn how. Yeah, what about you though? Where would you start if you had to learn how to create fire? Rubbing sticks together. Would you try that? Yeah. That doesn't work though, does it? It does work. certain kinds of sticks. I've seen Survivor where they... Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm getting all this from. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you sound remarkably confident. I would, yeah, I would file the end of the stick into a point and yeah. then I would have a little bowl type thing yeah. with like some shavings in it and I would rub that and magnifying glasses. Uh, I would be big on uh, that too. Build yourself a solid death ray. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> All those Swiss Army knives that I have laying around at home would finally come in handy. Yeah, I guess. So I'd I'd magnifying glass and and sticks, rubbing sticks together. Yeah, I guess. And I mean, you don't have to cook food. I guess. I mean, fire isn't essential for life, is it? Not like water. I mean, if you don't have fire, you can just become a raw foodie. What are they called? Have a lot of cold showers. Yeah, that would suck. Yeah. That would suck. Although, I do this thing now, and my mum my said this when I was growing up, and I, I never believed it. <laughs> that would it. be kind of fun, actually, if you became a raw foodie. All you're dr- eat, drinking is water, and all you're eating is raw food. And, like, people say you post-apocalypse, and you have never looked better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I know. Skin's clear. Seriously. Really like, healthy. this apocalypse has been like a detox for me. <laughs> I feel fantastic. I could live for another thousand years. Oh, shit. <laughs> wow, you're enthusiastic. My mum... Um, uh, used to tell me this thing when I was growing up, which I never believed. I think you're fine. Um, where she would always say, I'll have a cold shower at the end of your shower. And that like stimulates, you know, gets your blood running and stuff and you'll never feel cold. And she, she doesn't... You were saying that because you were masturbating too much no. as a child. <laughs> no. Charlie, have a cold shower. That's what she was saying. <laughs> no, what she was saying was in winter, rather than like stay in the shower and use all the hot water, if you just do like a one minute, you turn the hot off at the end and do one minute cold shower at the end, it gets your blood up and you come out and you're all that warm. And I never, I always thought it was crazy and stuff and now as a old man i'm starting to do it and she was right like even in winter you have like a one minute cold shower at the end of your hot shower and it just it gets your blood pumping and you don't feel cold like you go to the shower you don't even need to put clothes on for like five minutes because all your blood's running around trying to warm you up yeah but you have to go through the cold bit first it's one minute and then you don't have to worry like it's better dude you- if you had a headache and you bashed your head against a brick wall for one minute yeah. and then you stopped that would feel relief no, as well. That's not, but you st- that is the, the worst metaphor in the world. What I'm saying is the thing I hate the most in winter is having a shower and then have that, you know, that two minutes before drying and getting your clothes on, you get fucking cold. So rather than spend money on heating, <laughs> just have a cold shower and you've got five minutes. You can start around nude for that five minutes yeah. or get blood up. Or just 
get a warmer shower. Buy a heater and have a big hot water system. No. What sort of world are you living in? Have you never done that? Are you bringing fucking water from a well on your head daily to your house? No. Like, I mean, get in. It's the year 2011, dude. Yeah, so... Right. Oh, oh, awesome. I like Jesus. that. Thank wow. you. Awesome. Thank you. We were just um, brought beer by Gemma. Yeah, that's awesome. We need to... This show, must, this show must be fucking uh, getting some fucking buzz. You reckon? That's yeah. the only reason she does it. Yeah, she was not interested when we first started doing it, but now must we get some heat out in the living room? I don't think she's listened to one episode. Yeah, oh, thank God. <laughs> that's why you're still together. <laughs> I don't know. I'd like her to listen to one. Just really? What we do? Well, she says, "Why would I listen to it when I hear you two do it live all the fucking time?" So it's a fair point. That's a fair point. Although she has heard a lot more edited conversations because I notice when we're talking in front of her and then something good comes up, we go, "We'll save that for the podcast." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she's just getting the, the crap, the crap in between conversations without any of the good highlights. Although she must, I mean, she would anything that I have told, anything that I tell you, I've mo- most likely told her beforehand anyway like you know if it catches my fancy I'm not the person who sits on something funny I'd like to tell a few people get it out there. <laughs> um, we started a conversation uh, the other week yeah. uh, have we finished talking about the murderer or was there uh, more murderer well there's more but yeah, I, well, I think no, it's let's wrap more? it up no no okay, okay oh, no, yeah, there's one more interesting bit <laughs> no Hayes and her husband owned three vehicles a lime green minivan uh, a silver Dodge and a, with a dented tailgate and a white Ford F-150 pickup truck. Hayes ruled out the minivan and the dented Dodge because they were too easily noticeable. So she yeah, drove good. the Ford pickup truck. So she's very interested in blending in. And if she's somewhere where a Ford pickup truck blends in, you're right. It's America. Yeah, it must be. Yeah. Some of Hayes' made-up plots sounded familiar to investigators. A witness who saw a witness saw a white F-150 pickup truck parked in the motel lot behind Target the day Stu was killed. The gun used in the slang was never found. Well, you know what? So she may not be guilty. Apart from the fact that she told someone that this is how she's going to do the murder and the facts oh, seem to match up almost this exactly. Might, this might be a hideous coincidence. It could be a coincidence. You know, who I did, you know who I think did it? The fucking friend. What a great way to cover up. The friend has, like, you know, killed, done all this. Yeah. Exactly. Because what's happened is she's told him one day, it's this perfect, is how I do it. Yeah, it's the perfect alibi. He's like, this is perfect. I will kill that person in the exact way that she said. Yeah. Then. Uh, why would I, why would I, why would I tell people? Like, uh, why would I bring it up? You, you, she's hiding in plain sight. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So, so what are you saying? The prosecutor should turn their attention to the friend? <laughs> I feel like it's the friend who did it. Yeah. I mean, based on the evidence that I have. <laughs> which is me poorly reading an article I feel like that's enough I feel like sometimes if I'm going to solve all the problems in the world I've got to make some gut judgments on things and I reckon this one was the friend lock yeah. him up alright her her Pinzino lock her up yeah Pinzino sounds like a shit yeah gangster. untrustworthy Pinzino sounds like a made up name it's like the Pinzino family you know you've got yeah. the mob families of Pinzinos yeah fucking riding around in their pickup trucks <laughs> with, all, with all their guns <laughs> with filed down serial numbers <laughs> what did you want to talk about what's the thing that we talked about uh, weeks ago oh uh, yeah okay so um, I think it was a, a, a podcast ago I was going to um, ask you a, a question of etiquette and then we just got distracted and talked about something else um, so I was at the show and oh, yeah, really. <laughs> and uh, we went to the wine tasters. Yeah, and there was a fellow there who listened to the show. And but anyway, at the wine tasters, we're just there for the free wine, right? Yep. 
which is part of the deal at the show. Yeah. You're allowed to have the free wine. Yeah. But I always feel really horrible when it gets that final bit where it's like, now they want you to buy wine. Yeah. Like, once you've drunk all the free wine, are you obliged to buy something? It's funny. Or is that... How does that work? It's funny you should bring that up because I had this exact debate and situation with Gemma at the airport because, you know, they have the wine taster guys yeah. at the airport. And we were running for a flight, but I felt like, you know, some wine and they were handing out free glasses. So I went up to the guy and said, look, I really don't want to buy any wine, but I want to, I want to try that. And I drank it. And then the guy tried to do the sales pitch and I went to go and Jim's like, no, no, you got to listen to the sales pitch. I was like, well, hang on. No, no, no. I put it right on front street. I said, I just want to drink the wine. I don't want you to sell me anything. Let's just move it on. But Gemma then took a brochure and listened to the guy do his whole spiel about wine. She said, well, you got to kind of, you know, go through it. They give That's you the price of the wine. Yeah. The price of the but wine is not... listening to the spiel. It's like getting one of those, um, you know, paid for holidays where they yeah, yeah. then try to sell you a condo okay, for exactly. half a day. Well, but if that's the case, then give me the pitch and then I'll take the wine afterwards. Don't offer the wine first and then expect me to stay for the pitch. Yeah, well, that's certainly foolish on their behalf. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm happy to stay for the pitch, but I'm even once I've like taken the free sample, I find it hard not to buy something. Like, I find it hard to, like, there was this, like, there was a lot of wine stands and we weren't going to lug around heaps of wine. So we went into those uh, situations knowing that we were not going to buy wine. Yeah. Now, is that just implicit in their plan for the day? They know that, you know, heaps of people will just come and, like, drink the wine and that's fine? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, if you open a retail store, you don't expect every person who's walking in is going to buy some clothes. You've got to expect some people are just going to browse, some people are going to try stuff on and walk out. Like, that's the merchant's curse. Yeah. <laughs> is it really? I don't know if it's a curse. But I would, oh, look, I, having never worked in retail, I would say that I would expect that most people would be time wasters. Most. Wine tasting especially, if you're giving out free samples, you know, like there's a guy who cooks the sausages at Coles on a Saturday morning. Do you think he expects, like, they're boosting... Sausage sales through that? No, I guess, yeah, I guess you're right. But I mean, it's more about advertising, yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess, but I, there must be people like me who just feel so guilty they buy something. Were they playing on your guilt at all? Was there like a? Did he point to his family who were dressed in rags <laughs> and like one of them's playing like a violin quite slowly? It's like, well, you don't have with, to buy with, the with one arm. Yeah, that's right. Because that's to sell the other one. Yeah, a violin that he's made out of like an empty a box of wine. <laughs> <laughs> and his dead wife who got the actual like you know she got the one like plant for the vineyard yeah like you <laughs> know, the last, the that last was the last one. thing they saved from the natural emergency did he guilt trip you at all no but like one of the like like I said one of the guys listened to the podcast yeah and oh, I was kind of like oh, okay well that's different I was kind of like maybe I should buy his wine just because he listens to the podcast yeah no I, well, I would on that regard because I think that is like advertising for the show yeah you know what I mean I'm done with that I think that's a bit of quid pro quo like you know he's part of our audience which they get for free. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Right. <laughs> that guy owes you. Yeah, exactly. You know that thing I give you for free? <laughs> Let me do some. Do another favour for you. Yeah. Uh, did you buy some wine? No. Well, this is the thing. I didn't. But it's haunted me since. Yeah, right. Whether I've done the right thing or not. Um, I don't know. Like, I, don't, I never know how, how to How much make... wine did you taste? Oh. Uh, and was it a little thimble one? They were little thimbles. Yeah, and how much? And But they would like maybe, if you wanted to, you could try like maybe two or three reds and two or three whites. So you could like, get almost drunk. 
office. Yeah, if you, I mean, you know, there wasn't just one wine stand. <laughs> just stayed there, shot and like. Well, we went on a wine stand tour. Yeah. Yeah, like a wine stand pub crawl. Yeah. So like we would go from one to the other and you're mixing white and red constantly over little, little thimbles. Yeah. But you're also in a food court where there's like, you know, food on trays as well. So you can drink a bit, then a bit. go and eat a bit and then drink a bit more. So did you buy wine at all? Uh, yes. You're not a real wine drinker. I don't think I really... Uh, cider and beer, I see you drinking most of When do you drink wine? I don't, really. Oh, right. Just like, for oh, yeah, wine at the house or yeah. whatever. Um, but no, I'm not a... I mean, I, go, I drink wine if I go out to dinner at a restaurant. Yeah, yeah. But no, not at home. I don't tend to drink at home very no. much. Like, I, I drink when I work, and I will drink quite a lot when I work. So when I go home, I'm like... Yeah. <laughs> it's like work. <laughs> Do you drink when you watch footy? Uh, not by myself. I don't drink by myself. I do, but when I'm watching the football, I don't. I don't drink by myself. But when I'm watching the football, I like to kind of. It's almost like a, a comforting thing to have like a beer in my hand. That sounds so Australian, isn't it? Like yeah. when people wonder if we have an alcohol problem, but I do. Like I'm sort of conditioned to like you know, having a beer in my hand, the taste of beer. It's like a positive association. Although yeah, now, no, now it, that the Saints are fucking shit, maybe it'll like now you, it'll wean me off. Now beer. you have heroin. Yeah, <laughs> just taking some. I heroin. really love shooting up when I watch the football. Um, no, I don't. I don't have that. I don't drink by myself. I don't smoke by myself. Um, no, I don't. I. Uh, I just. I've never had the joy. I just don't really like it that much. <laughs> I only do it to fit in with people. <laughs> I guess I'm. This, I guess I, look, I don't, we hardly ever have alcohol in the house. Gemma likes to drink, but we we don't really have alcohol in the house because we don't. Like, I'm. A, there are some people who. Like after when they get home from work, they have a couple of drinks, and that's like wow. I mean, I've just never been like that. Without no, because you've never had a job. Yeah, it's, and- it's, <laughs> otherwise I'd be rewarding myself all the time. But you know, like the idea of sort of no, but I do think that is part of it. I do actually think that I mean, if we work nine to five, yeah, if we work regular hours, like because I remember when I used to do the radio in the morning, like when we would finish nine o'clock on a Friday morning, it felt like. Knock-off drinks time. Yeah, you know, right. Friday knock-off drinks. Morning. Nine o'clock in the morning on a Friday. And we would often go out to breakfast, like to have a team breakfast at the end of the week. Yeah. And we would like going, why isn't there a decent breakfast wine? <laughs> you know, something that goes really nicely with scrambled eggs. Like, what wine would you recommend with this? Yeah. But we would quite often get the, the worst looks from people because we would be Start ordering drinking. wine at like nine o'clock in the morning. But it was like the end of our week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you see tradies at the pub, you know, around 10 o'clock. And yeah. then I'm like, oh, fuck, it's early. But then you realise, well, they're probably up at three. You know, fucking work, doing like road work or something like that. Yeah. Some of them probably haven't been at work. <laughs> Some of them are just about just to go work. to work. <laughs> about to go to work. <laughs> just getting a couple of sneaky pots in before work. That's the thing though about drinking or, or drugs or any of that kind of stuff. Like I can't, like I, I couldn't possibly get stoned and then work. Like I couldn't do it because I can't enjoy it. Like I want to enjoy being drunk or being yeah. stoned without the responsibility of having work to do. Like, that's why I'm amazed when you get, like, functional alcoholics or functional drug addicts. It's like, dude, like, wouldn't you rather just be at home enjoying that? Well, that's like, I, I know of a guy who worked in a, a radio station who was, like, a, a proper alcoholic. And the, the most interesting thing about that was he had booze hidden everywhere. Like, oh, like a real guys. proper... Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, hidden everywhere. And I was just like, 
Man, that's a lot of effort. Yeah. Like to hide all that booze? Yeah. And to come up with convincing places to hide booze? Like, what do you mean? Like, draw, like obvious places, like drawers and. No, no. From what I understand, like, you know, in bottles that were not meant to be booze and and you're like, you know, like really properly hiding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm I'm not sure it was as far as, like, you know, you'd open a book and it was actually a hip (laughs) flask, that sort of thing. So he wasn't an Irish priest stereotype. (laughs) Time to read from the good book. Blink, 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 blink. <laughs> no, no. But yeah, I don't think it was that far. But I, I genuinely believe it was, you know, like hidden. And just... was this like had he discussed this with you, or was just like the rumor going around? About oh no, no. no. I, I mean, I don't want to go into like too many details because. But this guy actually ended up losing his job. He like uh, had a, a drink-related incident. I won't go into too many more details. But then it was discovered that all these. Um, he, was just, he was sneaking booze but did he smell of booze all over the place most alcoholics stink of booze no no I, I get the impression that he was good at being an alcoholic too so it was all like white spirits and stuff shit, oh, right, shit that you don't smell in the morning you know man I used to when I was working at the video store there used to be a couple of guys because we were right next to a pub who uh, would be popping in at like you know midday on a Tuesday to get some videos to go watch. And they, I think they were shift workers or something, but they would stink, man. Like they would come in to the point where like I would do anything not to stand near them because of one thing that really fucking comes through your skin, it's alcohol, man. And when, there's something about that processed alcohol smell too. It's toxic and it makes your eyes water. Oh yeah. It's like, I mean, if they could just bottle that, you could squirt that at the enemy. Yeah, totally. It's like mace. <laughs> Whatever the enemy was. I should just quit the guys in the front line, just put them out on the bender the night before they go into battle. Yeah. <laughs> the enemy wouldn't come within 10 feet. So, believe it or not, but we've been getting mail. Awesome. To the electronic, electronic mail. Electronic mail. Yeah, off the worldwide internet. To the, to, the, to the site on the web. Yep, awesome. Um, but we put this question out a while back now um, about listeners around the world because we were kind of... Uh, well, you know what's funny about that was we went through the list and we said, oh, you know, people from here, people from here. I didn't realise there's actually three pages that we're listing. So there's actually another two pages of countries where there are listeners from TOEFOP. And I think, I, I, so they, they they rank it in terms of numbers. So obviously Australia's number one. So I went to page three and down the very bottom we have one listener in Thailand. <laughs> well, you know, I don't, I don't actually know if it's one listener or one download. I don't know if it's like how they rank it. But it could be one download, so I've been downloaded once and done that. This is shit. Or it may have been downloaded once, played across some sort of Thai emergency broadcasting system, and the entire country heard it. Probably, I think that's I think that's what happened. I don't know. I mean, but the point is, we're, we're not sure. <laughs> <laughs> the evidence we're saying we're not the saying it did happen, but. I'm not saying it didn't yeah. happen. I'm not saying it has been heard by everybody in Thailand through some sort of emergency broadcasting system. I'm just saying until we have any evidence to rule it out, let's not rule it out. So we got some email from people um, all over the place, all right. uh, from uh, Norway, from Spain, saying that, hey, we listen. But this one guy, and I'm probably going to pronounce his name wrong, but uh, his name is Coan van der... How would you pronounce this? S-I-J-P-E. Sijip? Seep? S I J P E. Sijip? Sipe? Is it Silent J? I don't know. Is that a real name? That sounds Cohen like. Cohen, that, like, that sounds like something that you would have to type in when you were ordering tickets off the internet to prove that you were yeah, a scalper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> Is it in like uh, some small letters and some capital yeah, letters? Yeah, it's all, it's all and wonky. It's squiggly, yeah. and you're going, I'm not, I'm not actually a scalper, but I still don't know what these letters are. I can't make them out. Sipe. I guess 
S-I-J-P-E. Sipe. Sipe. Vandersipe. Vandersipe. Okay, anyway. Let's call him... We'll just call him for his first name. Cohen. 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 I'm pretty sure... Cohen Vandersipe. Yeah. Yeah, right. Is that okay? We'll just call him Cohen. That's K-O-E-N. That's Cohen, right? Yeah. It's not Cohen. (laughs) No, Cohen. Cohen, okay. Cohen Vandersipe. So, he's writing from Belgium, and he says, Hello, Will and Charlie. Uh, as you requested, I'm sending you guys an email. Awesome. Very polite in Belgium. Well done. They are. Uh, my, name is, <laughs> my name is Cohen. I'm 28 years old and I live in Belgium. Yes, I know. Where and what the fuck is Belgium? <laughs> <laughs> Does he explain where and what the fuck is Belgium? It's in Europe, yeah. between the Netherlands and France. But I knew where Belgium was. From Asterix Comics? Yes. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Is that how you know yeah. it? Yeah. Belgium, uh, uh, Bel- uh, they speak French in, in Belgium? Yeah. Is that right? Oui. Oui. It, and that's not where What's-His-Face is from, the muscles from Brussels. Is that Belgium? Oh, uh, I don't know. What's-His-Face, you know, Chop Sucky. Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> I can't believe I can't remember his name. Chop Sucky. Uh, yeah. It, was Brussels in Belgium? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> we, uh, before we go any further. Is any just... of this in the email? No. no we, should, we should look up Belgium. Okay. Let's run through what Belgium's all about. Brussels, Belgium. If it's if Belgium is in Brussels, then that's where Van Dam's from. Uh, Brussels, the region of Belgium. Yeah, Brussels is in Belgium, and that's where Van Dam's from. All right, and what? I think he was prime minister <laughs> of Belgium. <laughs> Former prime minister of Belgium, Jean Claude Van. Hey, if Arnie can become governor. Why shouldn't Jean Claude Van Dam? Be great if we found out that Jean Claude Van Dam was the former <laughs> prime minister. Would he be prime minister or president? Oh, I don't know. What? Well, well come you... on, you're Mr. Fucking Politics, Politics, Politics. That's, well, it's not our political What's system. <laughs> um, can, uh, well, can you look up Belgium? Mm-hmm. And, and can we find out some information about right, Belgium? Before we go on about Cohen, we'll, uh, yep. let's look up Belgium. Yep. On Wikipedia, yeah? Yeah, Wikipedia. Just look up the Wikipedia for Belgium. All right. Oh, God, I'll be so detailed, though. Yeah. Well, well I want to find bits. some stuff about Belgium. Okay. Well, we'll you know, we'll... It's educational, this yeah. podcast, Charlie. Oh, yeah, as you stated, your bold statement in our first episode <laughs> yeah. back that people are going to learn something, I think I've delivered on <laughs> yeah. zero episodes. No, well, here's one. We're learning something about Belgium. All right, so Belgium is officially the kingdom of Belgium, so they have a monarchy. A royalty, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and is a federal state in Western Europe. It's a founding member of the European Union okay. and hosts the EU's headquarters, as well as those of several other major international organisations, organizations such as NATO. Right. All right, Belgium. Oh. It's got some fucking shit going yeah, on in Belgium. Yeah, I feel Belgium. bad making fun of Belgium. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, and what if we wanted to rock up to the head of the EU? <laughs> well, we know someone on the door. We know uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. He said to me. Former, former president of Belgium. <laughs> Uh, so it covers an area of just over 30,000 square kilometres and so has a population of about 11 million people. Fuck, we could take Belgium. Yeah, we could. Yeah, we've got like 22 million and a pretty good army. So in that global fist fight that yep. we uh, proffered, Belgium, you know, we'd uh, definitely take them out before the, New Zealand. Yeah, although from the Asterix documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> they can fight. And of course the muscles from Brussels. They do seem like a fighting <laughs> oh, yeah, people. Exactly. Yeah. When it comes to doing the splits. Yeah. They're oh yeah, they're gonna, if any of it involves doing the splits <laughs> for absolutely no reason. They're going to be perfect. Okay, so it straddles the boundary between Germanic and Latin Europe. Okay. Oh, I didn't know there was a difference. Well, I mean, obviously the difference, but I didn't... Let's not get bogged down in the things that we don't know. Okay, so it has two linguistic groups, uh, the Dutch speakers, uh, mostly Flemish, and the French speakers. Oh, uh, um, I wonder if there's any, like, uh, trouble between them, the the Dutch speakers and the Flemish, the Flemish speakers. Oh, it doesn't the, go into, it, okay. into this article. Right. Okay, Belgium's linguistic diversity and related political and cultural conflicts are reflected in the political history and on complex system of government. Ugh. 
no. You know how I feel about politics. Yep. Um, okay, what do you want to know? Uh, I don't know culture? Like, yeah, culture. Yeah, no, definitely. Culture. Let's give us some culture. Okay. Despite its political and linguistic divisions, the region corresponding to today's Belgium has seen a flourishing major artistic movements. Well, muscles from Brussels. Yeah. <laughs> Cyborg, kickboxer, no retreat, no surrender. <laughs> and have had tremendous influence on European art and culture. Nowadays, to a certain extent, cultural life is concentrated within each language community. Move over Ooh. Van Gogh, we've got Van Damme. <laughs> That's their slogan. Uh, so you're saying that they have their own art and they keep the art divided? Yeah, it seems like that. It okay. sounds like the language is a barrier. Right. Uh, since the 70s, uh, there are no bilingual universities. Well, they really keep them separate. Really? So it's either Dutch or French. Yeah. And no common media and no single large cultural or scientific organisation. Right. Oh, come on, Belgium. Come on. Get together. Get together. You're all the same. It's all right. You all live in the one place. The forces that once had Belgium together, Roman Catholicism and economic and political and, and a political opposition to the Dutch are no longer strong. Oh, so the Dutch obviously won. So, for a not while... Fa- not famed fighters, the Dutch. But, no. uh, fucking, just fucking kicked them in the head with clogs. <laughs> Clogged them. Uh, and there's a whole, whole bunch of boring shit about uh, art. Yeah, they got some good artists, music, uh, stuff. Yeah. Authors, Hen- Henrik Conscience, Georgia Simeone, Susan Lyala, and Emily Northam. The poet and playwright Morris Mentalink won the Nobel Prize in Literature in 1911. Oh, before, <laughs> before, <laughs> it, before it meant anything. <laughs> Whatever, Belgium. <laughs> Stop fucking hanging on old victories. It's 2011. It's been 100 years. Yeah. <laughs> fucking move on. The Adventures of Tintin by Herge. Herge? Yeah. Is best known of Franco, is the best known of Franco-Belgian comics. Okay. Well, it's French, isn't it? Are they claiming it? Oh, no, I think, yeah, Tintin. All right. No, I'm okay with them claiming that. Okay, well, here we go. We're getting to some fucking... You'll know this next one. Yeah. Uh, they're also known by other major authors, including Peyo, who created The Smurfs. Oh, so, okay, they've, they've got Tintin. The Smurfs. The Smurfs. Yeah, all right. Um, uh, Andre Franklin, who created Gaston Legaffe. Gaston Legaffe, they're cartoon characters. Mm. Sounds like a f- somebody farts. Gaston yeah. Legaffe. Gaston Legaffe. Hmm... Uh, yeah, no, I don't. They're saying Ed B, Edgar Edgar B. Jacobs and Willie Vanderston bought the Belgian cartoon strip while worldwide fame. Okay, so I'm guessing Gaston Legaffe is there. So I don't know. I don't. That's um, Belgian cinema <laughs> has brought a number of mainly Flemish novels to uh, on screen uh, to life on screen. Are Belgian... Oh, like the James Bond movies. Like which one? Uh, they're all by Ian Flemish. All right, I'll just skip to the ones you might know. There's a film called Man Bites Dog. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was good. That oh, was in good. Flemish. I just got it. <laughs> <laughs> An Alzheimer's Affair. I've never heard of those films. Um, I think you saw Alzheimer's Affair, but you forgot about it. What about athletes? Okay. There are none. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Belgium. One fucking Nobel Prize for literature in fucking 1911 right, and no. nothing since. Okay. Uh, Association awesome. Football is the most popular sport in both parts of Belgium. Yeah. Uh, five victories in the Tour de France. Eddie Mersic. Oh, five. Why are your names so hard to pronounce, Belgium? Yeah. M- Why are your names not like our, <laughs> our white Australian names? Clausen. <laughs> uh, M-E-R-C-K-X. M-E-R-C, like Mercedes. Yeah. M-E-R-C-K-X. Uh, Merx. Okay. So Eddie Merckx is a famous cyclist. He's won the Tour de France five times. Yeah. <laughs> Try seven, like Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong is it seven how, times. how did you fucking get on Lance Armstrong? He's uh, not from fucking Australia. No, I'm just saying it's not that big of an achievement than when this guy's won heaps more. 
Uh, <laughs> it's not that big an achievement winning the world's toughest bicycle race. Five. Now they just say there's a guy called Jean Marie Pfaff, a former goalkeeper, is considered one of the greatest in the history of football, and they don't name who he played for. So right. it sounds like they just said saying that he was a roaming goalkeeper. He would actually just go game to game and just like stop balls from going to the <laughs> Is that because he was so good? Yeah. Like, he, he was too good to play for one team. Yeah, he was like uh, he was like Bill Bruce Willis in Last Man Standing. He just, like, yeah. goes from town to town and, like, you know. Yeah. Whoever pays him the most, that's who he... That's who he... No, but it's not even like that. I was thinking it was more like uh, Michael uh, Langdon in Highway to Heaven. Michael Landon. Landon, yeah. Michael, <laughs> Michael Landon in Highway to Heaven. He was the Where he's, like, just... He would, like, just appear on the sidelines for some shit local when team. It, just when it looks go, like you're about to lose a game, yeah. he comes in and says, a golf point. Yeah. Well, he's the best of all time. Yeah even though there's no evidence. Here's a name you might remember. Oh. Kim Clisters. Yeah. Oh. She's Belgian. Aussie Kim Clisters. And Justine Hennen. And they were both player of the year at the Women's Tennis Association uh, and voted number one female tennis player. Do you know what? By they, Belgians. They are actually very, very good tennis players. So they had one good book in 1911 and they've had two good female tennis players since. And the Smurfs. And that's it. Oh, and the Smurfs. And the Smurfs. And, uh, Tint- and and maybe Tintin, although we can't they had verify. Pa- they had part of Tintin. So does that mean they didn't have asterisks? Have we been racist about that? No, I'm pretty sure there's an asterisk in Belgium. I can't remember what they did, though. Yeah. Ate chocolate, I imagine. Right. Uh, Obelix would have like got hungry and eaten some yeah, chocolate. Eaten some stuff. <laughs> uh, they also hosted the 1920 Summer Olympics. So 91 years, almost 91 Fuck, years they ago. Had a good, they had a good period between, say, 1910 and 1920. That was fucking good years for Belgium. Okay, so Cohen. Uh, we've just done a bit of research. We're, yep. we're quick to deal with your email now. Yep. He says he... I live in the northern part of Belgium where they speak Dutch. Oh, here we go. French this... is my second language, then English and German. Speaks four languages. Really? How many do you speak? Uh, good. English? <laughs> <laughs> How many do you speak good, but... None. <laughs> Zero. 75%. Um, been... Okay, so oh. English is his third language on that then. Yes. So it's Dutch... French, English, and what's his last one? German. Okay. Yeah. So, so English isn't his first language. This is why he's written into us. Yeah. English yeah. is his third language. Yeah, yeah. It's not even his second language. Yeah. He has a third language. Yeah. English barely got a vote. Like if we were handing out votes. And so... Well, when you say my second language, do you rank them in an order of your capabilities? I would say Obviously. so. Obviously. Yeah. But if you were raised in a bilingual house, to say your parents were Vietnamese or something like that, but yeah. you were raised here... Would you say Vietnamese is my first language? No, you'd say English because it's the country you live in. No, I would say whatever I was raised with in my house. Really? Yeah, definitely. Even that would though... be my first language. Because what my parents spoke to me the majority of the time is, would be what I considered to be my first language. Yeah, that's funny. So I would say the country you were raised in because you would have more exposure to the other language. Yeah, but the other one's so part of who you are and where you've come from. And the, it's the very reason you speak another language. Yeah, but you're not ranking it on that. You're ranking it on what is used. Look, if I want to live in my own life and never learn to speak your language, then that should be fine. Respect my beliefs. Fucking hell, it's people like you that give Andrew Bolt a show. <laughs> um, so he goes on to say, why do we speak so many languages? Yeah, I why? think we have conquered almost every country in Europe. Oh. Twice. Whoa. Oh, take that. Belgium just Belgium, punked you, motherfucker. Belgium has just gone, scoreboard, scoreboard, rest of Europe. We, we skipped that Fucking part. scoreboard. Well, they got them a fucking Nobel Prize in 1911. So. Yeah, fucking scoreboard. I want to tell you guys I really enjoy the podcast. I have no trouble understanding you guys as listening to an English podcast is a daily habit for me. And he misspells the word habit. Right. 
So. Well, you don't have to listen and type at the same time. <laughs> I conduct passenger trains, and that comes with a lot of quiet, alone quiet time. So oh. there's a conductor. Yeah, right. Train conductor. But what? I've never heard of a train conductor. What do you mean? Well, there's tram conductors. What's a train conductor do? Well, it's exactly the same job, but on a train. You've never been on a train that has a conductor? No. What about, have you never been on a long train I've overseas? Got the city. No. Never? No. You've never travelled and gone on a train ride? No. <laughs> I've travelled. <laughs> I've never gone on a train ride. Never, ever. Oh, no, that's not. I took, caught a train through India. Yeah, through northern part of India. I don't remember a conductor. Right. Well, are they the guys who check your tickets? Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> well, Cohen's a train conductor. <laughs> We don't get conductors on trains in Australia anymore. Not anymore. That is true. Maybe on long haul trains. Yeah, but if Alice but, or something. yeah, and if you're going on, I think one of those yeah passenger trains. You're right. But also when you're overseas, say like I, I caught a train through Italy. Yeah. And yeah, you just there's a conductor who walks up and down. But if you, I, I went around the UK a lot on train, like you know, and they always have a conductor. A train conductor to me seems to be a job that happens in 1940s film noir movies. It's still got a lot of that about it. Yeah, don't you reckon? They still do it in very much the same way. Yeah, right. Yeah, tickets please. Yeah, and there's and there's normally someone on the train who's trying to murder someone else or there's someone on the run who's got some fake ID and the conductor always gets tossed out the window at some stage. Yeah, there's some woman who's planned a murder, told her best friend all about it. <laughs> <laughs> He's framing her for the murder. Um, yeah, when I was on, uh, uh, I went around uh, England a lot on trains and on the Virgin trains, um, they have wireless internet. Yeah. On the train. That's amazing. Wireless anything. Like, like I was just like, I honestly movie. just kept sending emails going, I'm on a train. <laughs> I am on a train and it is moving and I'm on the internet on a train. Nothing is boring anymore. Yeah. What about wireless on an aeroplane, man? Like flights in business class, we can get free Wi-Fi. It's like, how? Like, how does that happen? I can't get fucking 3G on my phone in the heart of Sydney. How are you getting wireless on a fucking plane moving that many miles an hour? They're close to the satellites. Is that why? No. <laughs> what I know. <laughs> I have no idea how they do it. It seems impossible to me, Charlie, that they could possibly have the internet. Like, it seems impossible to me that we can get something that heavy to fly. Yeah, I still don't get I understand that. there's theories behind don't you, it. But don't you feel like, and this is obviously not true, but my idea with planes is that they just get it up enough to a point where it starts falling. And all they've done is work out, well, we need to get it up to this point and to then fall on this country here. They're not actually flying. We're just getting flung into space and managing to fall perfectly where we need to land. Yeah, so basically it's like a slingshot. It is a slingshot. <laughs> and all you have to do is aim for the peak to be about halfway to where you're going and everything will be fine. <laughs> That's what I feel like is happening. It's, it's... Yeah, oh, but it does amaze me. I, 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 the, the internet still stuns me that people how how does it know where to go to like it's is it everywhere at the same time like is it a cloud are you imagining like an electrical cloud just floating above it like say you wanted to look up some i don't know a picture of like um john okay. stamos john stamos yeah <laughs> i'm not really sure why that was the first thing that came to your head but i think it probably says something about you yeah if we have any psychologists listening <laughs> and you can uh, work out what charlie's saying john stamos almost without thinking when i said what picture would you look up on the internet which has pictures of everything in the entire world that the first thing he said was john stamos whatever that means just write in, let us know. Um, but uh, so you want to look up a picture of John Stamos. Like in like two seconds, it, it will be there on your computer, yeah. right? Now I can see your computer. Where is the picture of John Stamos right now? Floating in the big electrical cloud. So is it near your computer? Is that how it gets there so quick? 
Uh, what no. if it's all over the other side of the world? No, it's like um, it's like a lightning bolt. So there's a big electrical cloud floating above yeah. the world, right. which is the internet. Yep. And when I go and type in John Samos and hit Google Images, yep. it's like a lightning bolt, like Thor yeah. <laughs> from Asgard. <laughs> a lightning bolt comes down to my computer, <laughs> kink, yeah. and spits the picture up. Well, I don't. Why don't things get hit by the lightning bolt? Because it's a invisible lightning bolt. Are yeah, we starting but- a religion? No. <laughs> 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 but did you, if you came to the world yeah. who didn't have the internet with the internet, yeah. you could start a religion. Oh, definitely. You could be the leader of the world. Definitely, definitely. Just based on the internet. Absolutely. Because I don't understand. Like, I mean, I know you're joking around, but how does that information, like you type it in and ask for it, and then it just gets sucked out of the world with no wires. It's not going through any wires. It's um, it's- How does that work? It's, uh, how did someone imagine how to make that work? I don't know <laughs> what I meant to tell you. Uh, like, uh, look, in like how form, does someone have that idea where they just I go, say, I can make ideas come out of nowhere into a computer it's a, that everyone can afford? But it's, isn't, I mean, scale it back. What about talking on a telephone? You are talking into a plastic and metal device yeah. and then someone is hearing you across the world and it's your voice. It's not like an approximation. It's exactly what you sound like because you're making a noise and, and wires are picking up that sound and converting that sound and going, oh, yeah, that's what he sounds like. Slightly high-pitched, a bit nasally. And spits out, that's fucking amazing. So... Yeah, I know. I'm, don't get me wrong. <laughs> you have a Why are we... No, because... Like, no, I'm serious about this. Is I was a bit like you with the plane flight thing with telephones originally, that I imagine there was something to do with talking in, because it was connected to a wall yeah. and there was like a cord yeah. and you talked into the cord and the cord went somewhere right. and the sound went through so the cord. So as long as it's tangible, if you can see that the thing must be like, you know, like this is your Tron if complex. If, if I can give you an explanation, yeah. if I said to you, well, Will, there's actually a giant plastic tube that runs yeah. out of your computer and up into the sky, <laughs> you'd be like, oh, well, that's where John Stamos has been coming from. Yeah. And there's just someone up there that has like... All these John Stamos pictures. And I got there so quickly because you always type in John Stamos. So they knew <laughs> that was... But isn't it amazing that someone came up with storing all that information, like all the information in the world is essentially stored somewhere that you can access it on your computer in minutes. Yeah. Like, how did someone think that up? How did someone imagine that that was a thing you could do and then make that work? But is it stored or isn't it just like a giant network where we're sharing constantly with other computers? So it's not so much that there is a big depository that has everything. The fact is we are now plugged into every other human being on the planet. What must that be doing to us? There must be some effect on us that all these, like, you know, laser beams and fucking mystery rays and, you know. (laughs) And, like... You're going to start wearing a tinfoil hat? (laughs) If it made me look jaunty. (laughs) I I, Tipped at a rakish angle. I'm not saying it's a government conspiracy. I'm saying it's all in our favour, but surely it must do something to us that we're walking around constantly. Why aren't we bumping into this information? Because it's uh, electrical impulses. Yeah. But, but why would we? But, well, if an electrical impulse... But there's electrical impulses around us all the time. But That's... aren't we creating more and more of them by putting things like the internet and satellites yeah, but they're not necessarily and... damaging to human beings. Not like... necessarily. What are you saying is going to happen? We're going to start microwaving ourselves. I'm not saying... I'm just saying, have we examined Do you this? worry about carrying your phone in your pocket? No, because I don't want to have children. But you so can get I cancer can... as well. It's well, not that stops the... children from coming out of your penis. <laughs> That's fine. 
I do you worry I, about that though? I leave my phone in your near po- my groin as all the time. often as possible. <laughs> you just lay it across your nutsack when you go sometimes to sleep. And you'll ask people to call you. Sometimes I would just make random calls and then just leave. I'll get my ball bag to look shit up on the internet <laughs> just to make sure I never have a child. Your balls uh, have their own Twitter account. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. I, I mean, I don't like to use the phone. And part of that is... That Are you serious? I worry about. Is that why you never answer? No, no rudeness mostly, <laughs> but and lack of reception in my house. And no, I don't like to use. I don't like it because of the radiation. You headache and stuff if you're on the phone for too long. Wow, you, I didn't realize you were a conspiracy nut. I'm not a conspiracy. Do you believe in chemtrails? What, you know, what are they? Oh, that, that's the new one. That's like um, you know when you see an airplane flying overhead, sometimes you see a streak. Behind them, oh yeah, yeah. And there are some people who believe that the government is dropping mind-controlling chemicals on us to keep us subordinate, and you know, willing to buy clothes and listen to bad music and not question authority, and you know, government is so bad at doing stuff. That's the my major flaw with every conspiracy theory is like even when they're trying to do. It took him ten years to legitimate. Catch yeah, even when they're trying to do legitimate, helpful stuff. They're not that good yeah. at like doing stuff, you know. Yeah. They're like, hey, we'll put some insulation in the roof of your house. That'll be good. Everyone's into that. <laughs> oh, shit, everyone's house burnt down. Like that's even when they're allowed to do something. Yeah. Like coming up with some secret chemical. And it's more likely that, you know, Rupert Murdoch has worked out how to do that or Richard Branson, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's more of a private venture kind yeah. of thing. It's more your enigmatic billionaire James Bond villain type rather than... Do you believe in any conspiracies? Like JFK, I mean, because JFK one, you know, it doesn't it doesn't all match up. I'm not sure we know all, what everything that happened with JFK. I'm not sure it was necessarily Lee Harvey Oswald, but um, but no, I'm not big, some big subscriber to yeah that nine eleven nine eleven. I think that, that terrorists flew planes into a building as witnessed by as witnessed millions of people around by the world. everyone around the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I believe uh, the JFK one, and I have no like basis for this but it just seems amazing that like the sh- the kill shot from have you, have you seen like the when they show what the angle was like where the book depository was i mean that's amazing have you ever fired a gun like, how hard it is to hit a moving target it is really hard but you know what like i i've seen you know guys in the unless a- he was hawkeye <laughs> <laughs> it just might have been one of those days you know in the afl sometimes you get a fluke bounce a ball, a ball, you know, a ball spins it away. You didn't think it was gonna. Maybe you just shanked it. <laughs> so know? he wasn't even aiming for it. No, someone bumped him just as he was about to go. I don't know. Like, I mean, that seems like something that possibly, you know, when the government's involved in some major thing, maybe shit could be covered up. Yeah. But I don't think that, like, I mean, I don't think the mobile phone thing is a conspiracy. I just think it makes sense that if we're using some. Really advanced technology close to well, my head yeah, all the time. So. Radio waves. Yeah. But have there been, has there been any like yes. proof of... there's been studies. Like mobile have... phones shaped tumours on people's brains yeah. and stuff. Yeah, there has. Really? Yeah. Uh, I should read more. Yeah. Possibly learn something. Yeah, well, probably that bit of your brain has been destroyed by using your mobile phone. <laughs> I think that part of my brain that has uh, uh, that held concentration, whatever minimal amount of concentration I used to have before the internet is now gone because you can skip around the information so easily now. If you read something that's boring, you can go, oh, well, time to look at some sport now, or that's boring, I'm going to watch a video. I mean, I remember working for a company 10 years ago, a production company, and the guy who ran the company had this crazy idea that one day people would want to watch videos on the internet. 
So he hired me and a few other guys to um, write and produce a bunch of kind of like comedy videos because yeah. he thought, well, maybe one day people will be watching videos and I've got a website to watch videos. And he took us on all these meetings with all these like yeah. dot-com companies and they're all like, mate, no one is going to want to watch videos on their computers. They have TVs for that. Yeah. He was like five or six years How, out of his time. People, people are never going to want to download something somebody has made themselves at home. Yeah. Like what? What Are they going to videotape their cat, are they? <laughs> is their cat going to do something funny? And I suppose that millions of people every Monday morning will share that cat doing something funny, will they, you idiot? Hey, mate, people go home and they like to watch the tube. Yeah. They don't want to watch you. There'll be no you tube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you what, mate. People like a big television with a great big back on it. That's what they like, <laughs> something solid and impressive. I was at this TV station in New Zealand and I went into their, like, in their waiting room and it was like, it was, the, it was basically the New Zealand version of um, the morning show that Larry M did us. Right. So it was like, you know, it's, it's full of infomercials but also interviews and stuff like that. Yeah. And the guy who was hosting it was a really, you know, nice guy and whatever. And so... We've gone into the waiting room to go on, and they've got one of those TVs that the year before flat screen TVs came in would have been the London, most impressive yeah. <laughs> looking like TV you had ever seen. You know, because it was like big and had a big grey border, yeah. and it was just like massive to the back. And now you just look at that and go, "Wow, you were like the king of the world for a day." <laughs> I had one of those TVs until like two years ago. And now when you fucking drive past any, like through any neighborhood, you see those TVs out on the front like lawn. Like, for hard new rubbish. ones in boxes. Like people have just found a new one and go, get this away from me. It's crazy. Man. I do not want to look at this hideous, fat <laughs> television anymore. Like it is, it is weird, but how quickly we just get used to it and go, well, that's, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Like it's not. It's not a thing anymore. How long do you think it will be before smoking? Um, we look at smoking and just go, I what, can't what believe people smoke. Because, like, in my lifetime, like, I remember we used to be able to smoke at a restaurant. Yeah. yeah. Like, inside. Or on a plane. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I flew to Japan, and, like, you know, as I've spoken about before, but on the front row of the, like, non smoking, the back row of the non smoking section. So it was one row in front of the smoking section on a plane. Yeah. But like, you know, in restaurants I don't know. Do you stuff, reckon it'll be fully stamped out? I don't know. I think it just become like a subculture. Like they make too much money from it. It's too big an industry. Yeah, but there's got to be a point where they just go, you know what? Like it, everything. Because they've got to the point now where they're putting all these Australian cigarettes in the same colour plain packages, right? Mm. And it's really just getting to that point where you can't smoke anywhere anymore. You can't smoke within the you know, vicinities of buildings anymore. Nearly every like um, uh, hotel you go to these days is now a smoke... Yeah, they don't just have smoke-free rooms. They have whole smoke-free hotels, you yeah. know. It feels to me like we're going to... People are going to... Our next generation might just look back at us and go... What were you doing? So hang on. These things tasted disgusting, <laughs> gave you cancer, made your teeth go yellow, your fingers go brown. They were really fucking expensive. And they go short of breath. <laughs> and you willingly... Like, it just makes no fucking sense at all. Yeah, I know, but neither does drinking, really. But drinking makes you feel happy. Yeah, but smoking makes some people feel calm. Yeah, I guess. So. And I'm not a smoker. But does it? Does smoking have any like real redeeming features? Like drinking, you can drink at a healthy level. But is there a healthy level to smoke? I guess not. There's no healthy level, but I just I don't know. I mean, there's lots of 
Are we, maybe, I was going to say there's lots of things, lots of vices people have that aren't good for them, but I guess smoking is probably really the last one with absolutely no upside. You know what I mean? Like we've stamped out everything else, so maybe it will go. But surely tobacco still is a big industry. It must be. Huge. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, but I, it, well, maybe it it'll like just it's... maybe it'll just evolve into like a healthy way to take nicotine. Maybe it'll just become more like vaporizers or something like that. They'll adapt. Yeah, the smoke-free cigarette. You think they would have come up with something that like now? A plot from like a like a high concept movie. Is a smoke-free cigarette? Is that like I don't know? I'm getting Jack Black or Ben Stiller or someone smoke-free cigarette. Do you know? What I'm... Does that sound familiar to you? No. Oh. Oh, no, maybe we've got a plot of another yeah. Adam Sandler's <laughs> a guy who invents a smoke roof his cigarette. It's a man child who discovers that there's more to life than making money. Starring Rachel McAdams. <laughs> this is co star. All right, let's wind it up. Okay. Um, uh, you can go to our website, tofop.com, follow us on Twitter, and go to Tofop Quotes. If there's anything that was said in an episode that's funny, yeah. write it down. Yeah. Tag it Tofop Quotes. Yeah. It might get retweeted by Tofop Quotes. Someone wrote something on Twitter the other day that actually was interesting. Yeah. Before Twitter, the hashtag was kind of like, yeah, you know, just another symbol. Yeah. But a hashtag has now become Oh, it's like, fucking back, man. Hashtag is back in a big way. You know the hashtag, though, sometimes has had? It's had moments. Because, you know, for a while, like any time you got onto a, like a voice-operated computer thing, You'd have to push hash. hash. Yeah. Like, you know, when you finish, put your number in, press hash. But Americans call it pound, yeah? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> in Australia, we might pound someone, but we wouldn't hash them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, the other way around. We hash, we don't pound. Well, no, but on the phone, we hash. But in real life, you might pound. You wouldn't hash. <laughs> I mean, pound. I'm so confused. <laughs> what are you saying? No, I just... It was more about the use of language, like the, the pound. Like you know, you might Aussies might refer to pounding something as being more of a, a vernacular term, right? You know, yeah, yeah. Whereas hash is not. Well, hash. I mean, isn't it hash is a vernacular term as well? Hash it out. Smoke some hash. <laughs> Hashley Simpson. <laughs> no, you're right. I don't know what I was saying. I apologise. Um, but no, the hash is back. You're right. Yeah. Yes, it's been good good times for that. <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. <laughs> I'm Will Anderson. <laughs>